You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. We believe here at East Point Church that you will not be the same one year from now, spiritually speaking, than you are today. Do you believe that? See, what happens sometimes in our faith, we just think that, like, hey, what I got is what I got. And then, like, you know, over the course of my life, maybe I'll just get a new coat of paint. But, like, what you see is what you get. And we're here to tell you, Lord, uh, friends, that when the Lord is in your life, we continue to grow. We are growing in faith. And so, so excited for Justin and his new fiance and all that the God is doing in his life. So, all right, go ahead and open up your Bibles, please. Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. Um, and we're going to continue our series that we started last week. And so as you turn there, I want to tell you that once upon a time, once upon a chaotic time, cries exploded from the children's bedrooms upstairs. Concerned, mom rushed up the stairs and found little Timmy sitting on the floor with tears streaming down his face and wailing as if the world has just ended. Is this like anybody's biography from this morning? Yeah. Mom rushed over and she asked, Timmy, Timmy, where does it hurt? And with tears in his eyes, with with big tear-filled eyes, Timmy sobbed and he said, everywhere it hurts Everywhere, my knee, my tummy, my elbow, my heart, it even hurts in my heart. (laughs) Timmy learned that sometimes it's hard to locate the pain, isn't it? How many of you know that life hurts? There are pains, and sometimes it's hard to know exactly where it hurts. And so how would you answer that question this morning? Where does it hurt? Where does it hurt, my friend? What's the source of your pain? Sometimes we experience pain physically, right? Do we have any aches and pains, any bruises? We have physical pain that we experience. Other times we experience emotional pain. And there's relationship hurt, right? And there's unmet expectations and there's disappointment. And maybe there's, you know, maybe there's emotional pain. Maybe there's grief. You've experienced betrayal or loneliness, Sometimes our mind hurts where there's just so much going on. It hurts in our mind. We, we experience social pain, right, when we have shame and, and regret. And sometimes I don't even want to go out into public because, oh, what did I, you know? And, and then there's other times where we're experiencing a pain. There's other times where we have a hurt, and I call it shepherd pain. There's shepherd pain. When leaders hurt us. There are times in our lives where the people that we've looked up to, where the, where the people that we've followed, the people that we trusted, those who were supposed to care for us, hurt us. We've all been there, haven't we? Right? We've been there at work. We're leaders at work. Professionally, they let us down. Maybe even in your family life, like leaders in your family that, that just, man, you trusted. They should have cared for you. Parents, they've hurt you. And I said it earlier, we are a family, and so you can even experience shepherd pain in a church, in a spiritual community. We saw last week that God, he, he has this design. God has this plan where, 
where he takes his sheep, he, he takes his flock, and he entrusts them to overseers. He puts earthly leaders under shepherds who can watch over and oversee and care for his flock. But as we look at his plan, even as we, as we trust him, we can't help but wonder, like, in this setup, in this arrangement, what happens when a shepherd fails? What happens when a shepherd, somebody who's supposed to care for us, somebody who has been tasked with overseeing the sheep, what happens when they hurt us, if they neglect us? What if it's even worse? What if, what if they abuse us and neglect us and take advantage of us? Man, if that happens, where is God in all of this? Does he even care? What authority can you appeal to when the authority is the problem? How do we respond to shepherd pain? For a few moments this morning, I want to tune into a story in Israel's history where this exact thing happened. We're going to go to a time where leadership failed. The sheep were hurt. And as we look here, friends, I'm encouraged because as we see God's response, I think that you and I, we're going to be comforted. I think as we see God show up on the scene, as we see his take on this leadership failure, I think you and I will be comforted because we will realize that though leaders fail, God is faithful. Though leaders may fail you, though leaders may fail me, though I may fail you, God is faithful. And so for a few moments, can I show you what the word says? Can we do that together? Here we go. Ezekiel 34. Let's start in verse 1 and see what God says to us this morning. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for the, all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek them. Let's pause there. We see from these first six verses that when leadership fails, the people suffer. When leadership fails, the people suffer. And so we see the word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel speaking. Ezekiel is a prophet in Israel. He was used as a mouthpiece of God to address the nation of Israel, the northern and the southern kingdoms. But as Ezekiel speaks this morning, we realize that he's actually not in Israel. As a matter of fact, none of his people are in Israel. No one's home. Because in 586 BC, the global superpower of Babylon had come in and conquered Jerusalem crushed their temple, taken them captive, and walked them back and relocated them as exiles in Babylon. 
They have worshipped idols. They have committed injustice. They have committed gross acts of violence in their land for so long. And now, eventually, enough was enough, and they have been plucked out of the promised land and relocated as exiles, scattered among the nations, just as God warned. So this is where Israel is right now, far from home. And Ezekiel shows up, and God gives him a message for the shepherds of Israel. The Lord has a message for the religious leaders who were supposed to protect and oversee his flock. And his message begins with, ah, okay? Some of your translations might say, whoa, like, whoa, this is not a good message. This is not, dear, my beloved shepherds, nice to see you today. The message begins with, whoa, because this is a pronouncement of judgment. It's not a friendly message. This is an indictment. God has shown up at the doorstep of the shepherds, and he's here to confront their failure. And here's the nature of their failure. It's very, very clear. They have not been feeding the sheep. Do I have any dog lovers in the room? Anybody? How many of you own a dog? Wow. Did you see that? How many own a dog? How many, or how many love a dog? How many own a dog? More people own dogs than love dogs. That is interesting. I'm in that camp. I own a dog. I'm not a dog lover. I love my wife. And so if you owned a dog and you didn't feed your dog for a couple days, somebody might call doggy protective services on you, right? Like they might come in and forcibly remove your dog because to be an owner of a dog, me intrinsically in that role means that you should feed the dog. Well, it's even more clear in Hebrew because you know what the Hebrew word for shepherd is? It's feeder. Literally, the, the word shepherd that we have in English, in Hebrew, the word is feeder. So intrinsic to the role of shepherding is feeding the sheep. And so if you were to read this in Hebrew, it says, the feeders do not feed. The feeders do not feed. It is so mind-blowing. The feeders do not feed. Instead, the sheep go hungry. Because instead of feeding the sheep, the shepherds have been feeding themselves. Neglecting and ignoring the role of caring for the sheep by feeding them, and instead, they are just indulging themselves. And I don't know if you're a foodie or not, but did you notice what they're eating on the menu? Did you notice what the shepherds have been having for dinner? Lamb chop. They've been eating the sheep fat. They're not just neglecting to feed the sheep, they're eating the sheep. They're not laying down their lives for the sheep. They are slaughtering the sheep and taking their life that they may live and have juicy meat. The shepherds are supposed to be clothing the sheep and keeping them warm. And instead, they've busted out their shears and, and they are literally fleecing the sheep so that they can clothe themselves with wool. Do you see it? Those who have been entrusted with the sheep are instead taking advantage of them. And so the Lord comes and, and he starts walking around the sheepfold. God himself comes and starts to take inventory of what he finds in their sheepfold. And as he looks at the condition of the flock, he says, I see weak sheep. How come nobody's strengthening them? I see sick sheep. 
Why is nobody healing them? I I see injured sheep. Why is nobody binding them up and, and mending their bones? I see sheep that have strayed. I see sheep that are lost. Why are there no shepherds who are pursuing the lost sheep? He looks at the condition of the flock and and he looks to the shepherds in name only and he says, you have dealt, you have ruled with force and harshness. You are not gentle shepherds. You look nothing like me. You are harsh and self-serving. Man, to my fellow elders and pastors, this picture of God just taking inventory of the flock, like this kept me up all week as I realized like God will one day come and inspect my flock, our flock, right? And on that day, may he not find uncared for sheep. Amen? Elders, amen? May he not find uncared for sheep. And so I think the point is clear here, friends. These shepherds have stopped treating the sheep as a trust to care for and instead are treating them as a means to benefit from. Okay, this, is, this problem here, this is bigger than just a personality difference. They're not just like annoyed by the weird quirks of their leaders. This is not just like a, a difference of personality. No, this is a grave indictment because they have forgotten that they have been called to give. And instead, all they see is what they stand to gain. They are taking advantage of their wards. They are neglecting their sheep. And God shows up and he confronts them. He says, whoa to the shepherds. Whoa to the shepherds. He, he asks the obvious question. He says, should not, <clears throat> should not the shepherds feed the sheep? Should not the feeders feed? Is, is this not clearly wrong? Hello, uh, shepherds. Really? And so what do you think the fallout was? What do you think the, the consequences of this leadership failure were in the nation of Israel? Well, he says it here. He says, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. My sheep were scattered. The flock is not unified. They're not all together in harmony and health. No, the sheep are scattered across the land because there was no shepherd. He says here that they they were scattered spiritually, like spiritually they wandered away, right? They wandered on every high hill. And so you might read this and go, oh, so those sheep like to hike. Okay, we got some Patagonia sheep here hiking up the high hill. No, no, no. High hill in the Old Testament was not for hiking. The high hills are where they would go and prostitute themselves to the other gods and partake in all of the cultural practices. Think of it like this. They could not resist the allure of the nightlife on the high hills, okay? Ezekiel said this earlier in his book, for when I had brought them into the land that I swore to give them, then whenever they saw any high hill or any leafy tree, there they offered their sacrifices and there they presented the provocation of their offering. There they sent up their pleasing aromas and there they poured out their drink offerings. When you present your gifts and offer up your children in fire, you defile yourselves with all your idols to this day. And shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel? Sunday through Saturday, they would go up onto the high hills and just engage in these gross religious practices of the culture around them. But then on Saturday, they'd come back down to the temple and they'd pray like nothing else happened. And God's like, no. The people have wandered away spiritually. And as a result of their spiritual wandering, 
They've experienced the consequences of their sin, right? And now they have wandered physically. They are scattered over the face of the earth. They're living in exile in Egypt and Assyria and Babylon. Their spiritual disobedience has resulted in their ruin. And here's my point, friends. God sees the spiritual failings of the people and he pins some of the blame on the spiritual failings of the leaders. That's what his point is here. He says all of this has happened because there was no shepherd. There was no shepherd to lead them. There were no shepherds to care for them. There were no shepherds to direct them. And as a result, as a direct result, maybe the sheep are still culpable. They are. Keep reading the rest of the chapter. But as a result of the leaders not leading, the shepherds' failure to lead have resulted in the people's failure to follow. It's very clear. When leadership fails, the people suffer. Leadership matters. Write that down, somebody, right? This is why here at East Point, we don't just look around and go, and you'll be a leader, and you're a leader, and you're a leader. Are you breathing? You're a leader. No, like we don't do that here because as the leadership goes, so goes everything else. That's why several weeks ago, we gathered all of the leaders of East Point Church, and we created this new document called a leadership profile, and we set the bar high, and we said to be a team leader or a group leader or a ministry leader here at East Point Church, here's what it must look like for your head, your heart, and your hands, because leadership matters. This is why over the last seven months, we have slowly been vetting men to be elders here. This is why we've entered a season of 30 days. We're not in any rush. We want to prayerfully seek the Lord, and we want to prayerfully invite your feedback to know, should these men serve as leaders of our church? I don't know. Because as the leadership goes, so goes the people. And for a moment, if you're a leader in this room, is this not a cautionary tale? Oh man, does this not cause you to examine yourself and to ask, am I approaching my leadership with a posture that is self-sacrificial? or a posture that is self-serving. You see, you go out to the world, they're not running for office because they're desperate to give back. Spoiler alert, color me cynical. They're not out there looking for positions of power because they just have so much goodness they want to share with the world. They're pursuing the positions of power because they want the privilege, they want the perks, they want the benefits. Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. They lord it over those that they're in charge of, and they still do it today. But in the kingdom of God, in God's family, we, we strive for positions of leadership, not for what we stand to gain, but because of what we're called to give. Leadership in God's family is Christ-like leadership. We wash feet and we carry crosses. We embrace anonymity. We... we and we don't do it for the spotlight. We're not doing it because every sheep that jumps is a dollar sign, right? There's a nice wool coat. <laughs> no. We're not in it for the, the sheep fat. We're here to lay down our lives. So leaders, just cautionary tale. Lord, examine my heart. What is my posture? What is the motivation for leadership? And so as God, as he sees the scattered sheep, as he, as he sees the herding sheep, he, he reveals a heart of compassion. 
In this next part, he reveals a righteous anger. And as we see him rise up, as we see him respond to the herding sheep, we see that this God is actually a good shepherd himself. And so look at how he responds to the situation. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, And my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts. Since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. God opposes bad shepherds and he rescues hurt sheep. Because the sheep are scattered, suffering the fallout of bad leadership, because the sheep have been neglected, God steps forward and he makes a promise. He makes a promise. He says, as I live, this is a solemn oath. He says, I swear to myself, as surely as I am alive, I will do this thing. And he makes a promise. He says, I will put a stop to this. God is not indifferent toward this situation. He's angry. He's angry at the treatment of his people, and he makes it very clear here. He says, I am against the shepherds. He opposes the bad shepherds. You see, sometimes spiritual leadership hurt. Spiritual leadership failures, they just hurt. There's just like a a deeper wound there. It it hurts in a different way because when a spiritual leader fails you, it's hard to not feel like, well, God is on their side. And so it feels like if there's a conflict here, it feels like God is on that side of the field. And it's as if God himself hurt me. It's as if God himself is opposed to me. Have you ever felt that? Spiritual leadership, it's like, that's like God against me. But God makes it very clear. He steps aside. He goes, I'm making it clear that I'm distancing myself from these faux shepherds. Be clear, I am not with them. I am not down with what they are doing to you. I am against them. They do not speak for me or on my behalf. And he says, eventually I will come and I will relieve them of their duty and I will put a stop to it. No longer will they treat you like this. No longer will they go around feeding themselves on you. I'm against this. And as I read these verses, I I picture Jesus. Remember Jesus? He comes into the temple, and he starts just flipping tables, and he's he's making a whip, and he's beating back those who are manipulating and price-gouging his people. And, And he goes through this extravagant display as if to say, I am against this. Let me be clear. I am opposed to the harassing of my sheep. Let me be clear. My stomach turns when I see you being taken advantage of. And so again, for those of you in the room, if you've been hurt, abused, neglected, even by spiritual leaders, it is a great comfort to see God's righteous anger 
at your injustice. Is it not? It's very comforting when I see God rise up and say, enough is enough. I am not for this. It's, wow. God sees, and he's not indifferent. And so he promises, I will put a stop to this. And he promises that he himself will seek out and rescue the sheep. He says, I'm going to rescue you from their mouths. You will no longer be prey. You will no longer be abused. He says, I'm going to rescue you. He's not going to send a a search and rescue team. God's not up there too busy going, you know what? Uh, I'm a little bit busy at 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 the moment. I'm going to send like my best special force angel squad. They're going to go down. They're going to gather the sheep. Call me when you're done. I'll be here at the White House running, running ops. No, no, no. He says here, I, I myself will search for my sheep. God's up here in heaven, and he looks down at the situation, and he sees the hurting sheep, and he says, you know what? I'll be right back. And he, and he steps down. He pictures a day. He looks forward to the day where he himself will intervene on earth. And he says, I, God of heaven, will be on earth and I will gather my sheep and I will rescue them. What a day that will be. He says, I will rescue them not only from the mouths of bad leaders, not only from the abuses of leadership, I will rescue them from all of the places where they have been scattered. Remember, They're all over the ancient Near East. They've been scattered because of their sin. But God says, I will bring you back even from the places that your sin has caused you to wander. I will bring you back even from the places that your sinful, fickle feet have led you in the first place. I will bring you back from the eternal consequences that you deserve because of your actions. I will save you from where your sin has caused you to wander. And I will bring you back into the fold, my fold. I myself will bring you back. Are you here this morning in need of rescue? Does anybody feel lost and scattered? Does anyone need a good shepherd in their life right now? Has anybody had their fill of bad shepherds in their life? Maybe you're here. And you you are experiencing the fallout of bad decisions. You have experienced where your sinful feet have taken you. And I'm here to encourage you this morning. He's a God who rescues. God is a God who rescues. And you are not too far, friend. You are not too far for his rescue. He longs to seek you out. He longs to rescue those who cry out to him for help. You see, 11 times in this passage, you can go through and underline it later today, 11 times in this passage, he says, my sheep, my sheep, my sheep, my sheep, which tells me no matter how bad they've been, no matter where their sin has taken them, no matter what decisions those sheep have made, nowhere in this process do they cease to be my sheep. That's the kind of shepherd he is. And so, Are you in this group? Are you counted among those whom God looks at and says, my sheep? Do you want to be? (laughs) I'm telling you, friends, that on my worst day of my life, as bad as it gets in my life, there's only so low I can get because this is my security. 
this is my peace. This is my joy. The fact that nothing I do can make him love me more. Nothing I do can make him love me less. I'm his sheep, period, simply because of his grace and mercy. Do you belong to the my sheep? And if you do, you know that though leaders fail, God is faithful. Though leaders may let you down, though leaders may, may just fall short of the mark. Can we just change? Let's not say that when. When leaders fail you. When leaders, when I hurt you. I say this at every ministry partner orientation, right? It's like one of my promises to you. As your lead pastor, I promise I will hurt you. I will sin against you and I will offend you. And somebody's going to take that out of context and go, he just threatened us. No, we as your leaders will hurt you. We as your leaders are human. We as your leaders will have bad days. I promise I will sin against you at some point. But I promise that I will repent. I promise that we will apologize. I promise that we will respond to constructive criticism, not with defensiveness, but with a humble posture that says, hey, let's all grow in faith and reach the world. We promise that as we get together and pray for the sheep, that we will remind each other and challenge each other to keep our hearts in a posture of self-sacrifice, not self-servingness. We promise. And we promise that though we may fail, God is always faithful. And if you're part of the my sheep, you get to experience life in his flock. You want to know what life in his flock is like? Yes, yes you do, I know. Do you want to know what life in his flock is like? Look how we end this passage. Look what he says here. He says, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lay down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Our last point this morning, church. The good shepherd cares for his flock. He does. Look how he treats them. He, he goes on a rescue mission. He steps down. He says he's going to step down. He's going to gather them together, bring them into his fold, and look how he treats them after he rescues them. He will provide for them what the earthly shepherds failed to do. He will feed them. God will feed them. Friend, in God's flock, our soul is nourished. You're satisfied. Your soul is eating. There is a contentedness in the flock of God because the one who watches over you, he gives you what you need. And your soul is full. He says, I will feed you. Not only will he feed them, he says, I'm going to lead them into pastures of peace. He says, I will make them lie down. Sometimes our soul just needs to lie down, does it not? And he says, as I gather my sheep, as they come into my flock, there will be no need 
for anxious toil. There will be no need for fear. Rest. Lie down. Let your soul breathe. Let that constant hum of anxiety shh. Be silenced because you're under my care. And in my flock, you will experience peace and security for I myself will be your shepherd. When you're in his flock, when you're lost or straying, he will never neglect to pursue you. When you're in his flock, when you're injured, he's tender and he will help you back and he will mend what is broken. When you're weak, he will encourage you and strengthen you. There are days where he picks you up and he will carry you on his back to the very places that you were too weak to go. When you're in his flock, he will never neglect to care for you. He will do what every other shepherd may have failed to do on earth. And for those leaders, quote unquote, leaders in Israel, those who have bullied the flock, those who have made themselves fat and strong, by feasting on sheep. He goes, there will be no more bullies in my flock. When the good shepherd comes, he will kick out the wolves, and he says, I will destroy them. And those who have been feeding themselves on lamb chop, he says, I'm going to serve them up a hot plate of justice. What an epic line, right? I will feed them in justice. It's like, who said it, Batman or Ezekiel? I don't know. I don't know. He says, I'm coming, and I will shepherd the flock. I will put an end to it all. And so I ask you again, are you here this morning? Are you hurting? Are you injured? Are you weak? Are you feeling your soul start to stray? Maybe you've strayed so far that you're even lost. The good shepherd wants you to know that he's here to shepherd you. The good shepherd wants you to know that though leaders fail, he will always be faithful. Though others disappoint you, though others have bred this mistrust in you, those others have abused you and neglected you and taken advantage of you, he says, I'll shepherd you. Though leaders fail, I am always faithful. For I myself will shepherd my people. Amen? Man, what a promise, huh? I myself will step down and shepherd you. If you were to go home today and you continue to read this chapter, you'd see this really cool verse here, and it's, it's verse 23, and it says, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Wait, maybe I have the wrong verse, um, because the passage I just read said that God himself was going to be their shepherd, but in verse 23, he says, no, no, I'm going to set David up over them. So which is it? Is it I myself will be their shepherd, or is it I'm going to send my servant David? Like, what happened 23 verses later? Did God get too busy? Did he say, you know what, on second thought, I got a lot going on. I'm not going to come down myself, but, but I got a descendant of David will come. Like, so what is it? Will this shepherd be divine from heaven or Davidic, a descendant of David? Which one is it, God? Which one is it, Ezekiel? Well, you see... When Jesus Christ showed up on the scene, we realized it was both. Jesus Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. And according to the flesh, he was a descendant of David. 
The good shepherd that God promised would come when he said, I myself will come and be your shepherd, he did come, and his name was Jesus. In the person of Jesus, God has stepped down to bring the flock back to himself. Jesus is the good shepherd. In contrast to the selfish selfish shepherds of earth, in contrast to the false religious leaders, God comes in the person of Jesus and we see him heal the sick sheep. Pursue the lost and straying sheep. Jesus fed the hungry sheep. Jesus encouraged the weak sheep. And you go, could this be? Is this, is this shepherd man? Is this the one Ezekiel told us about? And we see in Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And as we see the heart of Jesus Christ for people, we go, oh, confirmation. There it is. The good shepherd from heaven has come to earth. And so I ask you again this morning, my friend, do you know Jesus as your good shepherd? We're all sheep, right? All of us are sheep. But what are you looking to, to depend on, to feed you? Who do you look to, to lead you into pastures of peace? In what have you put your hope for, for rescue? In what ways are you trying to cope with your sheep life and your sheep struggles? What do you look to and cry out? Shepherd me, rescue me, stop the pain and hurting. I'm here to tell you boldly that if you surrender your life to the good shepherd, if you cry out to him and ask him to rescue you, that he will do it. I'm here to tell you boldly that if you dare to believe that this shepherd really is as good as he claims to be, that it will change your life. That when you dare to believe, we call that faith. That's all that means. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you cry out to him in prayer, in your heart of hearts, and say, I need a shepherd. Would you rescue me? I'm here to tell you that God in heaven, Jesus Christ, steps into your situation, steps into your pain, and he picks you up, and he feeds you, and he binds your wounds, and he heals you, and he satisfies you, and he carries you, and he puts you in the fold of God. And he leads you for the rest of your life and he will continue to lead you for all of eternity because every time he looks at you, he will say, my sheep, my sheep. And when you're his sheep, church, you know that though leaders fail, God is faithful. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we thank you for your word, God. Thank you for showing us this this picture of your heart. How would we know what you're like if you didn't reveal it? And so in this passage, we see your heart, your fierce love and compassion for the sheep. And so, Lord, we come to you as sheep asking you, rescue us, God. Bring us into the fold of God. For those who have been in the fold, for those who belong to the flock of faith and have for a long time, Lord, would you continue to lead them? May they continue to grow, and may they never lose the wonder of the gospel. And Lord, I just also lift up those who are just in a couple of weeks, those who will be baptized, those who are brand new to this flock. Keep them, Lord. Heal them. Feed them. Nourish them. And keep them in their most precious faith. 
And then, Lord, I also pray for those here who are exploring, those who are like, man, I don't know what this is all about. I just know I need a shepherd. I pray that they would see your goodness, that they would see in you the, the narrative that, that defines our whole existence, and they would put their faith in you. Save them, Lord. Make them followers of the good shepherd. And as they do, would you give them your Holy Spirit, fill them, make them your own, and change their lives radically, Father. May Jesus, the good shepherd, be magnified in all that we do and say this week. May Jesus, the good shepherd, be exalted as the most worthy of our affection and our attention and our time. He's so good. Thank you, Lord, that though leaders may fail, you are always faithful. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.